First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Story time. It's story time. Story time. It's two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses who promise to never sing again like that. That's what do you Corinne. Mean? <laughs> and I'm Sabrina. And that was, I mean, at least on my behalf, it was terrible. I don't know. I got cocky after you said I could carry a tune last time. <laughs> I mean, I listened back and it wasn't good. But. but. Yeah, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. This is an Encounters episode. And not only is it an Encounters episode, it is the 100th. The 100th! Can you believe? 100. And we, what do we do? We. 100. We read maybe 10 emails usually Mm -hmm. in each episode. So that means that there are, am I doing math right? 1,000 encounters that we have posted of your ghost stories 1000 ghost stories yes to be fair i right? think when we first did because we used to do the shorter length ones and i think we would do True. three stories each but we're almost at a thousand okay we're like 750 it's we're real basically at encounters number 200 if this were a book it would be 5000 pages it would oh my be gosh. a encyclopedia we'd have volumes wait how fun would that be I mean, these aren't our stories, obviously, but like just as like a fun little thing for each other, we printed all of the stories we've read and like hardcover book. Wait, Sabrina, I like that idea. This could be something that we do. And then every night when we have children, we read one story to them and terrify them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And then our significant others are like, ghosts aren't real. Don't worry, kids. And we're like, yes, they are. Someone said this to me. They're watching you sleep. <laughs> but oh my God, a hundred. That's so crazy. A hundred. That's crazy. I never thought we'd even get to a hundred episodes. I know. It's just wild. I feel like anytime we reach a milestone like this, it's just incredible to look back at our journey, our journey in life and just see. I mean, (laughs) it really is crazy. I mean, we started doing counters probably like 30 episodes, regular episodes in, right? And then we were crazy people Deciding to do encounters and regular episodes every single week. And and also in grad school and full-time jobs. And then we're crying yeah. ourselves to sleep if we could even sleep at all. Because we were so terrified <laughs> of adulting. But yeah, I mean, we've come such a long way. I feel like we've matured with our podcast. My dad was saying that the other day. He said that he had listened more recently to one of our earlier episodes and then listened to the most recent and he said it was a drastic difference in terms of our quality our rhythm Mm. we just he thinks he thinks we have it together wow at least someone thinks that i need some i need some moral support from your dad thank you well i mean normally when we do encounters episodes we don't really do much of an intro we kind of save our 
our banter for the regular episodes, but I do have a spooky story that I could tell you. <gasps> personal? A personal one. Oh my gosh, please tell. I have two, but I'll save the other one for the for the regular episode next week. Wait, this is the best for Encounters 100. Yes. Okay, so my mother in Vermont, as you know, our house is haunted. And my mom mm-hmm. is there during the day. My dad sometimes works from home, but mostly sometimes he still goes into an office. So it was Halloween day. Both of my parents were home. It was during daylight hours. And my mom is walking through our house. She's kind of like zipping around. She's cleaning because one person was planning on coming over to our house to help pass out candy. Well, not really help pass out candy, but like wash through the windows <laughs> as kids went up to the, uh-huh. the bucket to get candy. So she's like, oh, let me just clean up a little bit. She's zipping around. My dad's like off doing something. And she whips around a corner and standing in front of her is this six foot tall man with the same build as my dad wearing a blue <gasps> shirt, jeans, kind of everything looks the same. And so she thinks it's my dad and she starts to speak out saying like, oh, what are you? Because he was supposed to be doing something else. So she mm-hmm. whips around and starts to talk to this guy and he just disappears fully <gasps> in front of her. Before her eyes. Yes. And she said that also when she had first whipped around and made eye contact with him, it looked as if he did like a little jump. Like she startled him by coming around so fast, coming around the corner. Oh my gosh. Isn't that creepy? I want to know who it is. Yeah. She said she wasn't freaked out. She was like, it was totally fine. And clearly I scared him and he didn't want to be seen. And it was my bad. I was moving too fast. But oh, I just love stories of when people scare ghosts. <laughs> I know. She scared him. That's the second time she scared a ghost in our house because there was one other time where a smaller man, not the same sort of build and much younger, he was maybe like 17 years old, 18 years old, was a... Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, again, was moving quick and whipped her on the corner into our living room this time. And she saw this guy or kid sitting on the on the couch and they both startled each other and visibly startled each other. I'm so curious, just like, what are those ghosts thinking when they're in your home, you know? I don't know. And we had this conversation because I, I told my mom, I was like, well, there was one listener story that we read way back when where someone had seen someone else going through their apartment and both Mm -hmm. people were like, who are you? What are you doing here? And it made us or made our listener, I can't remember where the theory came from, but that there was someone in this apartment complex who lived there on a different dimension, different plane, different timeline, and it just a wrinkle happened. And they were both there, physically there, thinking that each other were spirits, that they saw a ghost. It's a time slip. What if that's the case? Like, what if somewhere else... This guy lives in our house. And my mom was like, we built our house. It's not an apartment well, complex. Well, maybe in another timeline, someone else built that house. The exact same house. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. But you never know. My theory pretty much dissolved almost immediately. I'm not sure what these people are thinking. Or maybe in another timeline, your family moved out, you know, and yeah. someone else moved in. There's so many possibilities. Here's another thing I learned. What? Also that could be contributing. My dad has one or two guns that had been from like years and years ago, many relatives ago, like I think it was the Vietnam War or World War II, essentially relatives who had been in the war. He has a couple of the guns, like it was passed down, heirlooms, Mm -hmm. and they're just in our basement, locked away in, in a closet, just sitting there. But presumably those guns have most likely taken the lives of people in war Ooh. or 
our relatives are maybe appearing as they were when they were 18 fighting in the war and we just don't recognize Mm. them. I'm so curious. Okay, you saying this made me wonder because I would hate to think that someone who died by the hand of that gun would then be attached to it. Right. But what if you don't have control of what you're attached to? And what if it's just about energy transferring to things that have like emotional resonance in your life, kind of like a horcrux, you know, where your soul attaches to multiple things and you don't really have control over it. Right. Oh, that would stress me the heck out because I'm just picturing the spirit. You know, you're moving into spirit form and you're just, I'm picturing it as like a visible string that you see just reaching out and attaching to things and you're like, no, 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 don't do that one. Yeah. But that's super, super interesting. I wonder. I bet, I mean, it feels, that feels right. I don't know. Now my head hurts. Here we are. (laughs) Encounters a hundred. And what have we done? Asked so many what ifs that we don't know anything. That we, yeah, we literally don't know anything anymore. Just when we thought we were coming to an answer, the answers have been squashed. Yeah. But there is something magical in the universe because Corinne and I both signed on to do this recording and we are video chatting and we are wearing almost identical outfits. <laughs> literally like, like the same shirt, same style, very same color. color. And Sabrina something. has the cutest haircut. Oh, thank you. I love it. And no one will ever see it because I don't go anywhere. What? I just stay in my apartment. Did you take a picture yesterday? Right after it was done? I may have. Leia, this isn't about you right now. It's about me. My hair. <laughs> Give me my moment. Well, your hair looks great. And one day people will see it. And actually, this is almost, it's a little longer than your hair was, I think, when I first met you. Yeah, it might be. I or love it. I think this is your ideal length. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Perfect. I also really loved when you had bangs. I think you can rock bangs too, which is a bangs difficult fun. thing to do. Bangs were fun. They were just a little bit more maintenance. I mean, yeah, they're very, I can't do bangs because I have a cowlick and I've tried three times and my cowlick is not flooding up. Dang cowlicks. Yeah. I will say also when bangs grow out, they're like the worst to deal with. True. True. When they're not long enough to really tuck behind your ear and they just kind of yeah. sit there right on your yep. cheek. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Scary, but not as scary as Ouija boards. Ouija boards. We time and time again have talked about Ouija boards. We've done an episode on Ouija boards. We have uh, a a group that the TGOG coven filled with people who actually know how to properly use (laughs) Ouija boards, but we do not. Mm -mm. And we have not used them either ever or since a very young age. And they continue to Never scare. Never for me. And I think I was eight the last time I used one. So mm. they scare the crap out of us. And we decided, yes. why not make our 100th Encounters episode entirely filled with a thing that continues to scare us time and time again, no matter how many emails we get about it. Because we're masochistic like that. <laughs> Welcome to Two Girls, One Goes. If you've never met us before, we like to terrify ourselves. Here we are. Do you want to start? Yeah. Nervous. Ah! Nervous. I know. This was one of those episodes where maybe we should have schemed and recorded during the day. Maybe we should have, but we are not that smart. What are you doing Sunday at 10 (laughs) (laughs) a.m.? Start even earlier. 7 a.m. Sun is up. Lots of day ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this one, I hope you're... I hope you're smart enough to listen to it maybe in the day. I don't know. Or maybe you're like us and you just like to scare yourself. I have a story from Gabriella, and it's called My Father's Ouija Board. 
To my dear ghostesses and Queen Leia, my name is Gabriella, and I've been meaning to write for some time now as I have a considerable amount of haunting stories. Some are my father's experiences like this one, some are from close friends, and the rest are my own. Unfortunately, there are too many for just this email, but the rest I will send in in due time. Preface, I had started your podcast around mid-last month, this was in 2019, and I couldn't stop listening to it. I work at a desk most days and in the lab the others, and your stories greatly ease the tedious tasks in passing time. I've reached episode 40 today, but I'm eager to catch up on the latest podcast. By the way, congratulations on episode 100, but this is about a regular episode. But like, hey, this was meant to be read on this episode. Yeah. But as to not keep you in suspense, here is the story. This story takes place in Peru in 1981, when my father was at the careless age of 16. After school most days, my father and his friends George, Gina, and David would normally go to the beach and hang out or walk to the end of the old wooden pier leading out from the shore into the ocean. There were beach houses in the trees up from the shore, a ways that were unused and abandoned. My father and his friends were told numerous times to stay away from the old beach houses since they were dangerous and unstable. But on a particular day on summer break, he and his friends decided that he decided that the warnings were empty lies and there was nothing dangerous about the beach houses, so they went in. The smell in the beach house they chose to enter was musty and the humidity was dense. The house had nothing but old furniture with mold and empty bedrooms. When they turned to leave upon finding nothing exciting, Gina called out to them, Guys, wait, there's an attic in here. George quickly replied, Well, go up there then and see if there's anything to look at. We'll all go up. As Gina spoke, she pulled on the latch, and the attic door came down with the fold-out stairs. The boys all huddled around the stairs with Gina and stared at the black hole above. They all entered the attic, and thankfully, the sunlight shone through the rotten wood so they could see in the darkness. There were some old board games, more furniture, but nothing noteworthy. But David was interested in the old board games, but they were too rotted and mostly falling apart. David left the board games and went to the far corner of the attic where there was another board game, apart from the others. But this was a game he had never seen before. David called out to his friends to come see what he had found. Have any of you ever seen this game before? George walked over and held the board. No, I haven't. Are there instructions? My father saw the board and said, Is there another piece that came with it? Because I know that game. David looked around and found a funny-shaped triangular piece of wood. That's the piece. My father was uneasy. But I'm not sure we should play this game. It's called a Ouija board. Have you guys heard of it? All of the friends had heard of the game before, but had never seen one. And naturally, everyone wanted to play. So they took the game out of the attic to the end of the pier and sat around it in a circle. The rules seemed fairly easy. Hands on the planchette, ask questions, hope for the planchette to move. They all put their hands on the planchette and tried asking questions. They asked if anyone was there a few times and then waited. The planchette moved slowly to yes. Gina pulled her hands away and got mad at the boys for moving it but all of them assured her that they hadn't. They asked a few more questions, and the planchette answered, becoming more fast-paced after a while. Everyone took turns asking questions like, what's my dog's name? And is the old lady next door a witch? (laughs) Etc. After about 40 minutes of playing, everyone felt tired and weak. They decided they were done playing for the day, but David said he had one more question to ask, and then they can go. David asked the board, when will I die? And the board wrote, 9-3. Why would you ask that, David? Gina was visibly upset. Those aren't questions we should ask the board. But David just laughed it off. What's the big deal? I get to live to be 93 years old, probably longer than any of you. 
The friends then said goodbye to the board and placed it back inside the beach house. When they returned the next day, the board was gone, and they forgot about it as summer went on. Fast forward a few months, the friends were all at a house party, and my father was the designated driver. The house was at a farm, and everyone just parked wherever they wanted in the field. After a few hours at the party, David and George were extremely drunk, mainly from the hundred of shots of tequila. You know, we've all been there. And my father decided to take them home. In the field, people had started to do burnouts and drive around in each other like bumper cars. Yes, because this is what happens at parties in Peru. My father and Gina had to hold David up and walk him over to the pickup truck and through the crazy teenage drivers. Since it was a two-seater truck, George and David had to sit in the bed of the truck while Gina sat up front with my father. While my father started the car, David, in his drunk mind, decided to stand up and keep dancing along to the music from the party. George urged him to sit down, but he was too drunk himself to get up. So my father started driving forward when one of the crazy drivers flew by right in front of him, causing him to slam on the brakes. David lost what little balance he had and fell backwards out of the truck. Gina saw in her rearview mirror and told my father that David was too drunk to sit in the back and needed to sit up in front in her seat instead. My father got out of the driver's seat, walked towards David, who was flat on his back, mumbling the tune of the music. He smiled at my father and said something like, dude, I am so fucked up. Haha, <laughs> help me up. My father said, yes, you are, and knelt down, grabbed David's hand to pull him up. As soon as my father grabbed David's hand, another driver flew by and ran over David, killing him instantly. The party stopped when people heard my dad screaming. The police pulled up with an ambulance for David, and as the police took the report from my father, he looked at the paper the officer wrote on and noticed that the date was September 3rd, or... Nine, three. <gasps> My father hasn't played with a Ouija board since and isn't sure whether the board foretold what would inevitably happen or if it caused the occurrence. My father did, although, buy my brother and I a Ouija board and simply told us not to ask stupid questions. Wow. Good advice. I tried to tell the story the way my father told it to me. He doesn't like to tell his stories because bad luck comes around when he does. Every single time. Once he told a scary story and our dog died. Wow. Another time, I got food poisoning. And another time, the neighbor's house caught on fire while it was pouring rain, by the way. He has many stories, but as per my mother's wishes, he doesn't tell them, understandably. If you're curious which story was told to cause a fire at our neighbor's house, he told us the story of when he saw the devil in his mirror. But please do not be alarmed. Nothing bad really happens when I tell his stories. No bad luck for you ghouls, Leia, or the fruit fly. I will send you more stories in time. Please tell me if you like this one. Uh, apologies for the length. See you on the dark side of the moon. And on the other side, Gabriella. That's so interesting. I'm really trying to understand why when he tells, I wonder if it's just that he's letting himself tap into this vulnerability and opening himself up enough when he's retelling the story because it's Ugh. so scary. And it's so scary. Yeah. And traumatizing. <sighs> so I'm sure it's difficult to tell the story and, and any of his other experiences without. Yeah. Without inevitably going back to that place. Part of me once wonders if, what if with the day they played with this Ouija board, a dark entity did come out and attached itself to David. And when David unfortunately passed away and died in that horrific way, because Gabriella's father was like holding David's hand, it like passed on to him and now it's following him. And so when he tells these stories is when this like entity enacts mm -hmm. some type of... Evil action. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost as if he's protected when he's not discussing it. But there's nothing that anyone can do if he does choose to speak about it. 
Mm-hmm. That's the opportunity. That's the opening of the gate. Oh, creepy, creepy, creepy. What if he's become the Ouija board? And only when he talks about ghost stories does it open it up, open everything up. Yeah. Also, why did he buy a Ouija board? I know, for his kids. Oh, gosh. That is one thing I will never buy my kids. No. For my mom, she never bought us Skittles and Starburst because I had gelatin in them. And for my kids, it will be, I will never buy them Ouija boards because I don't want demons in our house. Absolutely not. Yeah. I had a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board. Of course you did. And I honestly, truly, I can't remember ever playing on it. The time I played a Ouija board was at my friend in elementary school at her house, Elena's house, with her Ouija board. Not mine. So mine maybe never was used. Uncertain. Probably for the best. Yes. I know. Ooh, so creepy. Okay. Alrighty. I have one from from Aletta. It's called My Adventures with the Paranormal. Here is my story. My paranormal adventure started when I was in eighth grade. Of course, it all started with a Ouija board from Milton Bradley, found in the game aisle at the toy store. Of course. My friend and I started using this thinking that it was a game, but soon we're getting spirits with names. Drew. She lived in the 1700s, explaining to us that she was the main spirit of the group that we were now in contact with. Here is where it gets strange. We would ask them what year they passed, how they passed, who was ruling over them at the time, and what it's like in the spirit world. By the way, Drew taught us how to do automatic writing as well. Each spirit came on the board telling us their stories and the year. Suzette came onto the board speaking French, and since I was studying French at the time, I could semi-understand the words being spelled out. However, she told us that she, she died during the Reign of Terror by Robespierre. We would take this information down and then go to the library to look up this information. And here's the thing. We were only in eighth grade. So we thought she meant the reign of terror, like R-A-I-N of terror, until the librarian corrected us, giving us the book. Suzette was in the book. She was beheaded, by the way. Tell me how we would know Oh my gosh. The second was a gentleman named, well, I'm going to butcher this, Huthuiz, who died during the Trojan War. His family and home were burned to the ground in Greece. Some say the Trojan War was a legend. However, this was the first time my friend and I had learned about it. Then there were twins who both passed in South Africa when they were out on a safari adventure with their uncle, and it went bad. We could not find anything of these two, of course. And every day after school, my friend and I would go downstairs, and then we would get on the board. The spirits would knock on the walls for us. We would feel them touch us. They were real. But of course, playing with the Ouija board, it all went downhill. Soon, Drew was telling us that there were lower energies trying to communicate and to stop using the board. And remember, Drew was one of the spirits. So one night, I woke and I found a boy wearing a flannel shirt, torn jeans, and he was standing next to my bed. (gasps) Then I would be poked awake by an unseen hand. And soon, our spirits stopped answering us. An entity named X got onto the board. And this is where the profanity started. And by the way, X is Sozo. Yeah, we don't say his name. Sorry. I'm kidding. We're going to have to say it so many times in this episode. I know. Who are we kidding? Being in eighth grade, we were shocked. We had to throw the board away. However, because of this, I started my journey into the paranormal. And yes, I do paranormal investigations now. I went from being an Orthodox Jew to a metaphysician and let's say a spiritual person. I've studied all religions and settled for none. I am sorry, but the Ouija board is not a game, nor is it safe, and I will not allow one near my home. 
During my studies with all religions, I seem to have opened a door, and from there, I could write all of my experiences which have occurred to me. The things that I've woken up next to my bed range from a Victorian woman. I woke up to the rustle of her taffeta dress, and as I sat up, she looked down on me, and she dissolved. Oh. I've also woken up to two black-eyed twins who are around three years old with red hair, which were waking me up by trying to get into my bed. Oh my God. Wait, My oh. husband has gotten used to me suddenly crawling or jumping out of the bed and up the headboard whenever I experience these things. Anyway, this is only the beginning since I'm now 63 and I have so many more stories. I love you too. You remind me of my longtime paranormal partner and myself, Aletta. Whoa. Okay. It also just sounds like Aletta is maybe a medium or yes. some type of She's channeling something. speaker for the paranormal. Yeah. I mean- those twins crawling into bed with her. I, it, I know. I My legs, like from toe to hip, have huge goosebumps right now. It's super scary, but I do. I mean, it does sound like children wanting a mom's love, you know? It, yeah. it, it's obviously terrifying if someone tried to crawl into bed with me. But they black. She said black eyes. I know, but we've talked about that before where yeah. I think it could be an innocence thing and... Right. I don't know. Or their souls were not, you know, the sadness of their souls being ripped out of them at such a young age. I don't know. I don't it know. makes me wonder, too, if if Aletta is so connected with the spirit world that this was inevitable to happen, or if something happened when Drew and the rest of the spirits taught her and her friends how to do automatic writing, if that suddenly created a permanent channel between them mm. and the spirit world. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if... The friends that she did this with are still as in tune as she is. Right? Yeah, I'm really curious to hear what they're experiencing. Also, I'm sure we've probably said this before, but like we've said before, we never remember what we say because that's just who we are. I'm so curious. I know, you know, a person created the Ouija board, but I truly wonder if there was a dark force at work in the creation of it and was like, this is how we, this is our direct access to the world. Right. If we mass produce a game that all little young children play so naively in their basements, we can access the earthly realm and enact our terrible, terrifying plan. Ooh, the influence. It's hard. It's like, how do you know? How do you know if you're if something is a creation of your own mind or if you're being entirely influenced by something? I don't know. Down a dark hall. You tell me. I was actually, I was literally thinking down a dark hall when, at the very, very beginning when you started commenting on this. Down my dark path. Yes. Ugh, so curious. So curious. So creepy. But also so cool. Okay, granted, Aletta agrees, don't use Ouija board, but so cool that she could verify her and her friends could verify the stories of these ghosts and like find them in a book. In the textbook with the librarian. Yeah. With so names, with wars, with time periods that they had never heard of, that they did not know. Right. I mean, wow. one spirit was speaking in a language that only Aletta could heart, like sort of translate. I'm sure if they were writing it, it sounds like they probably did write it all down and decipher what was being said. Which is, yeah. I mean, that right there seems to prove that it's it's contact with the spirit world. I'm just glad <sighs> that the spirits warned them. And then when the spirits yeah. no longer came forward and other things started happening, that was like a clear, okay, we need to cut off contact. We need right. to just Stop. move away from the Ouija board. Ugh. 
Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Okay, this is from Erica. And it's called The Ouija Board Experiences of a 16-Year-Old. Hi, ladies. My name is Erica, and I've been listening to your podcast for a while now after I was recommended it from my best friend, Demi. Shout out, Demi. And I have loved it ever since. So a little background of this time in my life, my so-called Ouija board phase. Yikes. So when I was 15, I became close friends with a girl named Megan. And every time we'd hang out, her mom would somehow insert little hints of the supernatural into our normal conversations about school, homework, gossip, whatever. Me, being the nosy person I am, I would always ask what she meant or if she could explain further. The conversations always seemed to steer towards what answers and stories she was told from using the Ouija board. But Megan's mom told us that we'd need more people to use it other than just us three girls, implying that we'd need boys there too. So of course, me and Megan reached out to guys we were friends with, Josh and Cody, and another girl, Katrina, and they all agreed to use the board with us one night. And I will never forget our first experience using this board because it was a very positive one. The board we first used was very old and solid wood, and it looked like it had been used many times. The piece was metal with intricate wooden detail, and before we started using the board, Megan's mom lit a even number of white candles and shook a thin layer of salt around the room, encapsulating it with a protection spell. A lamp was set to the lowest brightness in the corner, and as soon as we all put our fingers on the piece, it felt like an electric shock moved through the room. Megan's mom explained that because the board was wood, it was a very strong portal to the other side. She told us we had to believe it would work wholeheartedly or nothing would happen. Then she said her prayer and opened the realm by inviting whoever was out there to come to talk to us. The first entities we talked with were love and the absence of love. They told us about themselves, stating that love was in love with the absence of love, but absence could never love love back because it was purely the absence of love, if that makes any sense. Love told us that love has no gender, neither does absence, and that love goes to the ends of the universe to try and make absence love them that they have been chasing each other for eternity, trying to make one another feel how they feel. Love described it as a limbo. The conversation at that point was mind-blowing and completely changed my views on entities and higher beings for the rest of my life. We asked them all sorts of silly questions like how many times we'd get married, how long we would live for, and what we would do as careers in the future. Love and absence kindly said their goodbyes and moved on. Whoa, so cool. Now, for a little darker of an experience, this was after several uses of the Ouija board with my friend's mom, so we were feeling pretty confident in our ghostly communication abilities, and our little group decided we wanted to use the board outside despite a very clear warning from Megan's mom not to do so. Naturally, we found an elementary school playground with a covered basketball court to open a portal in. We had no candles, no salt, 
only the board and a dimly lit playground. We opened the board and invited whoever was out there to come to talk to us. And about five minutes in of my finger being on the piece, I literally started to feel a burning sensation moving from my hands and up my arms. I asked the spirit who was communicating with us how he had died, and he said in a house fire across the street from the school several years ago. Little sensations from spirits continued on through this night, and 16-year-old me was more proud of it than scared. The most alarming memory from that night was when I looked up from the board, and I hadn't looked up or around me once because I was so entranced in trying to decode the messages letter by letter, and when I finally looked up, I could see hundreds of shadow figures standing around us, probably 50 feet back around our little circle, creating one of their own around us. There were so many, it was almost opaque darkness, and I couldn't make out the playground behind them. They weren't moving, but I like to think of it more as waiting in line to come and talk with us and use our energy. We talked to a few more spirits and closed the board before it got to 3 a.m. After that day, though, my two friends actually had a malicious spirit follow them home named Victor. He had white skin, white hair, and white horns. I can remember seeing him once, but I never actually had any experiences close to what they had with him. He pulled my friend Katrina off her bed by her feet in the middle of the night on multiple occasions, and Josh would have very vivid nightmares and sleep paralysis where the spirit would come visit him and taunt him. They later had to seek help to shake the demon Victor. Anyway, thanks for listening to my long story, and I hope it makes a cut. I tried to make it short and sweet as possible. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Erica. Oh my goodness. Talk about two contrasting experiences. Yeah. I feel like it's a. am in a philosophy class talking about love and the absence of love and love chasing the absence of love for right. all of eternity, trying to get absence to understand how love feels and in turn out thinking that doing the same and it just blows my mind there's so much it reminds me so much of a story that someone sent to us many many years ago many many years ago as if we've been doing this for 20 years <laughs> many moons ago back in 1972 i remember a story <laughs> but it was titled like my guardian titled chaos or something and yes, he said yes. that he had this like spirit that gave him guidance through life, but it was chaos. Yes. It was the embodiment of chaos, which is such a strange idea, but it sounds like these emotions and feelings and like elements of our world exist as energy as well. Which I guess if you're talking about, and well, I'm not going to get into the science because I'm going to screw it all <laughs> up. But when, if you actually look into energy and you start dissecting things and you start truly understanding how energy interacts with its surroundings and it the fact that it can never be destroyed it, it starts to make sense you know right oh so crazy oh my gosh but the way that she described looking up and all of those shadows circling <gasps> around them lining yes. up oh that's so unsettling you know what it reminded me so much of i was envisioning i think it was episode two where we did caught on tape mm. and you covered a photographer who had captured a lot of spirits. Tom something. And it reminded me of the image that he caught out in the woods where there's just a bunch of shadows all lined line. up in the tree line. Yeah, watching. Oh, it's so... I just got so cold. My Creepy. My boobs reacted. <laughs> so chilly. It really is... The way that she said it, like they were, they were waiting in line, makes sense. But also what's so ominous about it is that they're circled around the group, which feels like they're trying to almost engulf them Mm -hmm. in a really 
gross and disturbing way. And just grabbing the feet too. It's like taking the thing that everyone always jokes about being the biggest fear, like when you're sleeping, like, oh, don't let your feet out of the covers. Oh, don't, you don't want your foot to get grabbed. And then purposefully doing it over and over again. I would never sleep again, ever. No, it makes you feel unsafe in your own bed and in your own body. Like I'd be curled up in fetal position. It is so interesting. I've never heard, I don't think we've read a story where a friend's mom introduced them to a Ouija board and like got a group together to do it. Yeah. I know. What's her story? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Megan, can you, Erica, can you have Megan's mom email us? Here he is. But I mean, it sounds like she was well-practiced with it, kind of in the way we're saying there's so many people who do know how to use it properly and do use it regularly. Clearly the one time they did it without Megan's mom outside is when things went south. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Creepy, creepy. All of these, they're not going to get better, (laughs) but they're my favorite. They are. They're great. Okay. I have one. Uh, This is from Stacy. She had originally sent us her story on Instagram. And then I think we said, email us so we could (gasps) read it. Hey, girls. I listen to your podcast at work. Love your voices and dynamic together. I have a short Ouija board story. Okay. So I was about seven and we had those old tin trash cans with tin lids and we had a Ouija board. I believe my girlfriend and I played once as kids with no luck or understanding of its abilities, just blaming each other for making the planchette move. So one Saturday night, my parents had some friends over and they played with the board. I was asleep and both my parents have since passed, so I can't ask them about their experience that night. But when I woke up the next morning, my dad was out in the garage. I watched him put the board into the empty trash can and pile the trash bags on top of it. That evening, he walked me out to the sidewalk to put more trash in the can, and the board was on top of all the trash. What? He was perturbed and pulled all the trash out and then put the board at the bottom once again. And then the next morning before school, we looked and it was on the top. (gasps) Thanks for listening. Please continue to do a great podcasting. I will see you on the other side. P.S. Next time you're both in Los Angeles, please have a meet and greet. Stacy. Oh my gosh, Stacy. I just, I'm imagining the worst that happened with her parents, you know, something, I mean, in order for them to throw it out. Throwing it out like first thing in the morning too. Just like we're done. We're done with this. Yeah, so creepy. Ugh. And it's it's giving me flashbacks to all of the haunted dolls yes. that always find their ways back into the house or out of the trash or out of the bins. 100%. This is very much like that. At least it didn't show up back in their house. You know, at least it was only contained to the trash can. It was just going back on top. Mm-hmm. It probably wanted someone else to find it and take it. You know, when like if anyone were passing the house and saw the Ouija board on top of the trash, they were like, ooh, that's not trash. But that, yeah, you... You would literally have to go all the way and rummage through the entire trash can. No, I'm saying something paranormal wanted it. Oh, to, oh, oh, yeah. Wanted people to find it. I was like, if someone wanted it, then they would, yeah, yeah, then they would just take it. But <laughs> you're right. Ew, that's even more creepy that something's like attempting to have someone else take it home, you know? It also reminds me of the story we read. It might have been last week in last week's episode. Wow, I completely just lost my train of thought. Like completely. It's gone. The universe doesn't want me to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's not. No one take a bath and let's not talk about whatever you were just about to say. What the heck was it? Oh my God. It literally was just like ripped out of my brain. I don't know. You can't read my thoughts? I can't. I'm really trying. Corinne, I'm okay. Stare dumb. at me really hard and try to channel my brain because I need <laughs> to know what I was thinking. I'm picturing like 
little shimmery tentacles coming out of me and trying to bust into your brain. Just like a like a weird hand. Yeah, a claw. A claw. Nothing. I don't know. It's gone. It's, she gone. She gone. She gone. I'm gone. But the Ouija board was not. This is X, not Sabrina. Oh my god. She's, good lord, good lord. You're scaring you're scaring Leia and me. But mostly Leia, she's yelling <laughs> in the back. Oh goodness. But it's okay, because you, you take care of Leia. She's I do. fine. What's next? Okay. This is from Grace, and it's called Ouija Boards and Bruises Galore. Hello, ladies. I hope quarantine has treated you both well, and congrats to Sabrina on the new hubs. I love y'all's podcast, and it's actually the first and only podcast I've ever listened to. Having grown up in a haunted house and having had multiple haunted friends, it obviously speaks to me. The story I want to share with you isn't about my haunted farm, though. It's about an uncomfortable or terrifying, whichever you prefer to call it, experience with a Ouija board. This was not my first time using a Ouija board, but it certainly was my last. I had a strange encounter for the first time I used one as well, but nothing even close to this. I had these two girlfriends, Chelsea and Paige, both of which had experienced multiple eerie things together over the years, seeing as Chelsea's mom had passed away on Chelsea's 16th birthday. And ever since I'd known Chelsea, we all believed that she had something attached to her. When she and her roommate, I'll leave her unnamed, moved into their apartment in Columbia, South Carolina, where we're all from, there was a third bedroom that had been left empty. This was weird, seeing as it was supposed to have been occupied, but the girl never showed up on move-in day. This empty third room always felt very strange, as if you were being watched anytime you entered it. Therefore, Chelsea and her roommate used it as a storage room. Even stranger, the closet in the third bedroom had a singular small window right where someone around six feet tall would be able to look out. I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen a lot of apartments with closet windows. This will be important later. So, sophomore year of college, Chelsea, Paige, and I were hanging out in Chelsea's apartment, drinking cheap champagne and telling ghost stories, as 20-year-old kids do. Duh. And I noticed that one of Chelsea's favorite decorative items was missing. She had this five-feet-tall Halloween witch that she kept out all year round. It was December at the time. And we would decorate her for whatever season it was. I know it's creepy, but then again, so was Chelsea. Anywho, I asked her, hey, where's the witch? She's usually right over there. To which Chelsea responded, oh, um, I, uh, I put her in the closet in the kitchen. We had her out front for a while, but the maintenance men asked me to put her away. Apparently, they got here one day to fix something and she was knocked over outside. But when they left a couple of minutes later, she was standing right side up and looking towards the front door. I kept her in the kitchen, but I don't know. I've had her for years, but for some reason, her eyes seem different. Now, it's very possible that someone walking by had noticed that she had fallen over and decided to be helpful and put her upright, but we will never know. I should also mention that Chelsea is not easily spooked at all. I asked Chelsea what she meant by the eyes seeming different, at which point Paige pulled the cheap Halloween decoration out of the closet, and as soon as she turned it toward me, I felt overwhelmed with discomfort. I'd been used to looking at this thing for years, and it never creeped me out. Not once. But when I say that the witch's eyes looked alive, I mean they were alive. I immediately told Paige to put it back. And I am not easily spooked either. I grew up in a house full of paranormal entities, but this felt different. We continued on with our night, not thinking about the plastic witch in the closet that could possibly be watching us through the slotted closet doors, when suddenly Paige said, Oh, guys, let's pull out Chelsea's Ouija board. 
And I was not against this idea because I knew that Chelsea was very well versed in how to properly open and close one, and I didn't feel unsafe doing so. So, the three of us went into Chelsea's room to find it, and when we came back into the kitchen, the third bedroom's door, which is right next to the witch's closet, I might add, was wide open. This was strange because they always kept that door closed due to the uneasy feeling of the room. Being a massive Supernatural fan, I grabbed the salt and poured a line in front of the door to the third bedroom. We brushed it off and continued on, lighting tea candles around the Ouija board and turning off the kitchen lights. Now, Chelsea and I both knew that Paige had been drinking a bit more than we had. Nothing too extreme, she was still sober, but we warned her that it was very important she close herself off as much as possible and be careful because having consumed the most champagne could make her a target for something. We started off and everything was normal. We were getting a few responses here and there, but nothing worth nothing worth mentioning. Then, out of absolutely nowhere, Paige's head fell down hard as a rock onto the kitchen counter, almost landing her hair into one of the candles, and she whipped back up like nothing had happened. Chelsea and I both gasped and asked her if she was okay, which to which she said she was fine, and she didn't know why that happened. Chelsea and I decided we should end the board, but Paige refused. We compromised and got her to agree to say goodbye, but only if we continued playing in an hour or so. So we did this. An hour passed by, and she insisted we play again. So we did. Bad idea, I know. But for fun, I opened up one of those ghost hunting apps on my phone, knowing that it's all fake but still worth a good spook. We started back up, and not even a few minutes into the second round, it happened again. Paige's head slammed down onto the table and back up within a few seconds. Keep in mind, before starting the second round, she was perfectly sober, had stopped drinking an hour before, and had very little to begin with. This definitely was not caused by over-serving herself. So Chelsea and I were both speechless. We looked at each other and, again, asked if Paige was okay. In that moment, Paige turned her head slowly and looked at me very strangely, as if it wasn't even her looking into my eyes. I looked at Chelsea, and her face showed that she was seeing the same thing I was. I said, Paige, are you okay? And she didn't respond. At that point, Chelsea and I were just staring at each other, Paige to the side of us and not sure what to do. But then suddenly Paige comes back too and says, sorry, I don't know what happened. But she still didn't seem completely back to normal. We properly shut down the game and Chelsea and I walked out to the back patio because her apartment was on the first floor and we left Paige inside so we could discuss what had just happened. We both agreed that we thought Paige might have been lightly possessed and we didn't know what to do. As I stood there, leaned up against the outside of her building The ghost app that I had completely forgotten was actively running on my phone voiced out, window. I said, that's weird. And in that moment, I realized I was standing directly beneath the window located in the closet of the third bedroom. As I came to this realization, before I could even speak, the app voiced out, watching. What the fuck? I went white as a ghost and Paige walked out and said, what's up guys? And Chelsea and I just stood there still feeling very uneasy about Paige and the entire situation. We all decided it was time to go to bed, and Chelsea and Paige slept in Chelsea's bed, and I took the blow-up mattress on the floor right next to them. After a surprisingly good night's sleep, we woke up and I headed back to my mom's house. After I returned home, I went to take a shower and discovered something that still terrifies me to think about. On one singular leg, I had what couldn't have been less than 10 black bruises running up and down the length of my thigh and calf, which I have attached a photo of, and the photo is only of one side of my leg. I gasped, thinking back and knowing for sure that I had not fallen down or ran into anything that could have caused one, 
let alone 10 black and blue bruises. I told Chelsea and Paige, and of course, neither of them could explain what had happened to me either. A few days later, my mom and I were in the car on our way to a weekend away when she asked, Hey, did you go into our attic and pull down some boxes? To which I responded, no. It turns out that the day that I got back from Chelsea's apartment, my mom was putting away some decorations and found that two boxes that had previously been stacked up on a high shelf and had been under two other heavy boxes were neatly sat down on the floor of the attic, and the other boxes that had been on top of them were still sitting on the shelf. Here's the thing. No one had been up there in weeks, and these boxes hadn't been touched in years. I, of course, didn't do this, and neither did my mom, the only resident of the home at the time, and I am still unsure how this happened, but I can't help but feel like something may have followed me home. Who knows? The house was haunted, so it could have just been a usual occurrence. If you recall from the beginning of this email, the original third roommate that was supposed to move into that creepy room never showed up. But here's the kicker. Throughout the year that Chelsea lived in that apartment, there were two other people that were supposed to move into that room. And they'd get a call from the apartment complex, be told they were getting a new roommate on so-and-so date, and then no one would ever show up. Having worked for a college apartment complex myself, I can tell you how that is far from normal. Eventually, someone did move in and over the course of a few months turned absolutely crazy, tased her own girlfriend, and put Chelsea and her roommate in the position to call the cops on multiple occasions. Think what you will, but it sounds to me like something did not want to share a room with anyone. Thank you for making it this far into the absurdly long email. I will send over some more spooky occurrences in the future, but for now, keep being spooky, Grace. Oh my god. I don't even know what to make of this. I'm so creeped out and cannot even begin to fathom what took over the it sounds like whatever attached itself to the witch and was using the witch yeah decoration as a mode or as like a disguise. Oh, I'm just thinking Ooh. about how creepy it was for the the maintenance people who were working and saw the witch face down and then when they come back a few moments later it's upright Ooh. and staring in their direction like watching them in the space it's so unsettling all of it i mean whether it was the same entity that kind of was possessing this doll or if it was i don't know some other spirit that's also in that third room i don't know i know i know oh, oh it's gosh. so creepy and the bruises are you looking at the photo i i looked at it when you were reading it looks it, as if someone with a lot of aggression, like karate chopped her in multiple places, was just like, God, hits her. It almost looks also like kind of like a tightly grasped hand and like there's like palm almost like as if someone's palm oh, bruised right. her and like fingers almost. And I mean, we're only seeing one side of her leg. What if the other side has like the other finger bruises? Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah, because the bruises are pretty close together, but at the same time, they're so like deep. You know, like there was a lot of force behind it. She would know if she hit her. Like, and it's it's one thing to like have drank too much and and maybe you stumble and hit your shin going up the stairs or something. People wake up with like one or two bruises. And then that's like, oh, I forgot I did that. Or, oh, I didn't even feel that. That was weird. We've all been there. The amount of bruises in this photo and the location of the – it's her entire leg. It's all over. Polka dots of bruises. Also – I'm really glad this was not what happened, but the way that the app said window watching made me think that they were going to turn around and see Paige staring at them from the window. Ew, 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 ew. I mean, I'm glad that's not what it was, but either way, like something was watching them from the window and it was whatever probably possessed Paige and Mm -hmm. was keeping an eye on them. Yeah. Oh, God. 
So effed up. And for Paige, it was Paige, right? Not Chelsea. Paige's head just kept kind of yeah. dropping down, like a moment of possession almost. Yeah. So creepy. Ew. And then for Ugh. that other roommate who eventually did move in to just absolutely lose all control over herself and her actions and her sanity. Yeah, that uh, – I never want to live in that house. No. Can we, it, like, create a black market for <laughs> creepy haunted houses that terrible things have happened at and put them on a map? I think we should. I think we should know what's happening where and you get to – just like – when you purchase a haunted artifact online, there's a description. It's a risk you take. You go in knowing at least a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. That should apply to everything. Everyone should know what they're moving into. But at the same time, remember, what we didn't realize was that the soil, the sediment, what your house is built on can True. also be. So, you know, there's always opportunities to be surprised. <laughs> so many surprises in the paranormal world. Up haunted. Okay, I have an email. This is called Ouija Board Texter, and it is from Timothy. Ooh. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I have a story for you. I've been listening to your podcast starting at the first episode, and I've made my way through episode six now. This was back in 2018, so not long after we started. I've really been enjoying it, and I love that you share experiences that have been emailed in to you, so I thought I would share mine. I can count on one hand the people with whom I've shared this story. Mostly because the story feels too crazy to be true, and I'm afraid that people won't believe me. In general, I feel like something of a skeptic, even with this experience. As interested as I am in ghost stories and strange happenings, I love watching all of those haunted house documentary shows, I always rush to find a rational explanation before I can accept it as a paranormal experience. All that being said, I was 18 and in my freshman year of college in Portland, Oregon. It was January or February of 2008 almost exactly 10 years ago, and my boyfriend and I lived in an apartment with another student, a girl named Lisa. She was very into paranormal events, especially ghosts, and she had a Ouija board that she would pull out every once in a while, and she had taken the board to a witch, she said, to protect it from being used by evil spirits. So it felt safe. Nothing scary had ever come through the board, and it was always harmless spirits, if anything at all. One night, Lisa, her boyfriend, another friend of hers, myself, and my boyfriend were all spending time in the apartment. We pulled out the Ouija board and we arranged white candles around it, which was supposed to keep us safe from anything dark. We weren't getting anything. Jumbled letters, but nothing legible. Lisa, her boyfriend, and her friend decided to walk to the grocery store a few blocks from our apartment building downtown to get some snacks. Once they left, my boyfriend and I were antsy, so we decided to try the Ouija board on our own without Lisa. We were getting nothing but the same jumbled letters. The only difference now was that the planchette kept straying off of the board. It would push against the candles until they were almost off the table, and we kept having to lift the planchette back up onto the board. So we gave up. We weren't getting anything, and it felt more sinister than playful, and that planchette just kept pushing off the candles. Maybe the spirit didn't like that they were there, or maybe it was mocking us for thinking that there was some sort of protection associated with them. Whatever the reason, we said goodbye on the Ouija board, and we leaned against the sofa, a little disappointed. It was dark, except for the light of the candles. Now, it was 2008, so we had flip phones. Suddenly, my boyfriend's phone buzzed, and he reached for it to check his text messages. I shit you not, on his phone was a message from nobody. There was no return number. It had come from nowhere. We even tried later to text it back just to see if it would show us the sender's phone number, but there was nothing, just nothing, except for a picture. 
attached to the message. Oh, I have chills. Oh my God. It was a face with large, shiny black eyes. And his mouth was open wide with a devilishly long tongue and sharp pointed teeth. It reminded me of a tabloid Mm -hmm. image of Bat Boy from the 1990s, but it definitely was not the same image. It was something different. The face was more slender. It was longer. I've never been able to see an image like that anywhere else. We even asked several of our friends if they had sent it, but no, Mm. we were absolutely terrified. There was no explanation and never in my life before or after that night have I received a message like that with no sender, especially not one that I can only describe as some sort of demonic face. We ran out of that apartment. We rushed down the elevator and out of the building to find our roommate, Lisa. We found her walking back toward our building and we explained what happened. She had no idea how to explain it. But we all went back into the apartment. We put away the Ouija board. And I wish now that we had documented the image somehow. My boyfriend still won't touch or talk about Ouija boards. But I don't remember seeing Lisa use hers again either. I haven't touched one since myself. But I'm not as afraid of them as my boyfriend is. And that was that. The only other strange occurrence happened about a year and a half after the Ouija board incident. We were living in a different apartment in downtown Portland, Oregon. We had been watching TV when we stepped out onto our balcony to watch some fireworks. I think it was Cinco de Mayo, but it might have been Independence Day. In any case, we had left our TV on when we stepped outside, but when we came back in, it was turned off. We could not get it to turn back on. Oh, Leah. Leah, it's okay. It's almost over. I know, you're scared. The remote control didn't seem to be working, and even pressing the power button directly on the TV wasn't working. Finally, I thought to look behind the TV stand to see if it was plugged in, and it wasn't. Hmm. So somehow, the cord had been pulled out of the wall and laid down on the floor in the few minutes that we had stepped out to watch the fireworks. It was not an easy cord to pull out, and there was nothing that could have bumped it. There were three of us there that night, and all of us had been outside watching the fireworks together. None of us were scared, necessarily, but we were all very confused and a little bit frazzled. It was so strange, so unexplainable, and felt very much like something ghostly had just happened. (laughs) That's the last time anything like that has happened to us, fortunately. I don't know if it was related to Ouija board incident. It might have been its own thing, but it was still a little scary. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed reading about my experience and a half. Keep up the good work, Timothy. And then I won't read it in this episode, but he sent another story and said, hey, remember that time when I was like, this is the only thing that's ever happened to me. Hmm, weird. And then he's like, well, there's more. There's more. (laughs) Now there's more. Maybe talking about it caused it to happen. Oh, gosh. I hope not. I hope we're not willing more hauntings onto our listeners. I mean, we might be. But oh my gosh, <sighs> that photo. If there's one story that I'm glad that there's no photo to actually be attached to the email, this is it. I was just going to say that. Absolutely not. I'm glad it's gone. I had no desire to look at it because if even if it existed, I, my imagination had enough fun with it and it was terrifying. There's some things that your body just says and your mind says, you shouldn't be watching this. You should not look at this. And this is the feeling that I get when thinking about this picture. Well, maybe that's what something was saying in their place and that's why the TV was unplugged. <sighs> Creepy. Oh my God. Ew. Now I'm just picturing, oh, I have chills. I'm just picturing that face (laughs) showing up again on the TV and some resident ghost that's just been like minding its own business and just really enjoying living with all these people. 
sees it and it's just like nope and unplugs it <laughs> it's like you're canceled goodbye we are not dealing with this today <laughs> i have no explanation or understanding of how that photo got sent to them like it's so especially the un, the no sender no return yeah. number nothing 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 and a photo a face 2008 on a flip phone. I'm curious if there are more experiences like this. Have other people gotten weird texts from unknown or non-existent, no ethereal numbers? Well, it's like, it's almost not the same at all, but reminds me of a few experiences I've had and a few experiences that we've talked about uh, and received from listeners of the podcast when people will have remembered either receiving a text or sending a text and then the text not being there or vice versa where the text comes through but never even existed like i'm i'm remembering but that's so different i know well i'm remembering that i there was like a week where i was really really scared sleeping in my childhood bedroom and it just felt Mm -hmm. like there was something kind of like low to the ground that would stand next to my bed and i was freaked out by it and my cell phone this was actually probably back in like 2010 2008 maybe. Hmm. And my cell phone was down in that area where I was freaked out by. I was just having a charger on the floor. And I had no evidence of this text message sending through from my phone. But my friend Margaret had received in the middle of the night a message from my phone saying, I'm going to kill you. <gasps> and then, Oh, that's so yeah, frightening. When she responded in the morning and was like, wait, what? Why? I was like, what are you talking about? And she had to screenshot the... Uh, You'd take a picture of the text to show me. But see, okay, what may, that's absolutely horrifying, but at least it's like an entity using a phone to get to send a message, right? Like a pre-existing yeah. with a number, with a name. Like it exists. It's manipulated, but it exists. From the void, send a message is so strange. And like it'd be one thing if he opened if Timothy and his boyfriend opened the like camera roll or something and there was a photo that they had never taken there. Cause that's you know, that's one thing. But for it to be sent like a actual message mm-hmm. from what? Does hell have its own phone number? I mean, wait, doesn't it though? Wasn't there, isn't there some number you're not supposed to call? Didn't we receive something like that? We did a curse episode and there was, but apparently like you can make fake numbers and like use them to send things. But for it to be a, not a number at all, not a, it's right. a nothing. It's nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm Ugh. so disturbed. So uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like Lisa herself was like, yeah, we're not opening up whatever this was again and just did not use the board. Yeah. No, I I don't blame them. I love that Lisa went out to get snacks because that's what I would do in scary situations. I like need food for comfort. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. 
Revolutionary technology. Real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Okay. This is from Nikki. And it's called My Ouija Experience. The good, the bad, and the hell no. Hey, girls. First off, I would like to say that I'm a huge fan of your podcast. A coworker of mine introduced me to it, and I cannot stop Mm -hmm. listening. I'm writing to you guys to tell you about my own personal yet very creepy experience using a Ouija board. I'm sorry for the length, but alas, you must know the full story. I love the word alas. I really, really (laughs) do. I don't know what it is about about it, but it just gets me excited. Okay. But alas... It all started off when my younger brother, Riley, told me that his friend, Jeff, got a Ouija board. At first, I was a bit skeptical of this, so naturally, I looked up the facts about Ouija boards and found the rules one should follow when using them, not using it alone being one of them. Riley had told me about how he and Jeff had used the board at Jeff's and that they determined the house was being haunted. Naturally, I was intrigued and had to see this for myself because obviously hearing other stories was not enough. I asked Riley and Jeff if I could take part in their ghost adventures and join their Ouija board sessions, and of course, they said yes. Now, Jeff had said he had used the board alone before, and nothing bad had happened. I was a bit skeptical of that, but I figured, not my ghost, not my problem. We started using the board and started off by asking if anybody was there, and it did not take long for the planchette to move to yes. At this point, I was still a bit skeptical, so I removed my hands from the board and asked questions that I only knew. I asked when my uncle passed away, and the spirit had the correct date. I also asked other questions in which the spirit answered correctly. At this point, I was impressed and freaked out that this was actually happening. From there, we asked the spirit if it was a family member of any of ours, and the spirit replied, No, I am a guardian for Jeff. We then asked the spirit what its name was and what exactly it does, and it replied, My name is Simon. I protect Jeff. We asked Simon why Jeff doesn't have a family member protecting him, and Simon told us that guardians aren't always family members, and that sometimes it's a soul that looks out for those who are still living. Part of me had a feeling that maybe it was looking out for something living so it could uh, possess it, but I kept an open mind. Our first Ouija session was more of a get-to-know-Simon night. When we were done, we closed out the board and said goodbye. A few days go by and Jeff invites Riley and I over to his house and proceeds to tell us some weird stuff was going on in his house since our encounter with Simon and thought we should use the board to investigate. Jeff's family had a friend over who brought their puppy, so we were watching the puppy while we were using the board in another room. We started off by asking if anyone was there and of course we got a yes. We then asked who it was and to our surprise, Simon was back. As we were thinking of a question, Simon said that two people were waiting to speak with me and Riley and asked if we wanted to talk to them. We asked who they were, and Simon replied, Dorothy and Andy. Dorothy was my great-grandmother who had passed away from ALS when I was about six years old, and my uncle Andy was hit by a car when he was 17, and my brothers and I had never met him. We told Simon he could send them through. My great-grandmother came to the board, and she had told us that she misses us and loves us. We asked her if she wanted us to relay a message to anybody in the family, and she replied, Tell your mother I love her and I miss her. Now, just to fill you in, my mother was very close with my great-grandmother, which is why we had to make sure to relay this message. I started to cry as the message from my great-grandma was coming through. Losing her to ALS was so sad, and the emotions I was feeling at the time were overwhelming. As I was wiping my tears, the planchette started moving, as we had our hands on it, and it spelled, Stop crying, Nikki. Crying is too sad. I told great-grandma I was sorry and that I just missed her. All of our hands were on the planchette at this time, and we were thinking of what to say. 
And then the planchette starts to move again, and it's spelt out, Stop poking me, Andy. We asked our great-grandmother if Uncle Andy wanted to talk to us, and she said yes, but I wanted to talk to you kids first. Then the planchette moves and says, Fine, Andy, it's your turn to talk to them. And I started to cry again. Great-grandma said, Stop crying again. And after that, my Uncle Andy came onto the board just to deliver one message. He said, Nikki, you look just like your mother. After that message, my great-grandmother announced that she was back and said that they had to go. They said that they loved us and that they missed us. And the planchette stopped moving after the last message. And we asked if Simon was back. He replied, yes. We asked Simon why he is attached to the board and why he determines who we can and cannot talk to. He said it was to protect us from the evil spirits that could try to come to the board. From there, Simon spelt out, cute puppy. The puppy immediately jumped. And we asked Simon where he was, and he replied, sitting next to the puppy, petting it. We were all a little freaked out by this, but I guess if the ghost was protecting the board, we could at least get him his puppy fix. We asked Simon if there was anything bad in the house that made him super protective of the board, and Simon said there was a demon in the house, and that it was waiting to get us through the board. We asked where this dark entity was, and the planchette pointed to the corner of the room. It was always dark and cold in that corner, and we immediately heard the puppy crying after finding this out. We asked Simon what we should do, and he replied, end the session and go upstairs. So we did exactly as he said, said goodbye, and went upstairs. Since that night, I have never touched another Ouija board. Jeff said he has used it a few times alone, and that weird stuff was happening in his house because of it, and he said he went to use it another time, and the board was just missing. He and his family searched the house entirely, and the board was never found. I personally think Simon may have had something to do with it, considering Jeff proceeded to use the board after that night. However, we'll never really know what happened to that board. It's been about seven years since that night, and the board is still nowhere to be found. And Jeff says that ever since it went missing, things in the house calmed down a bit, probably because he wasn't interacting with spirits anymore. I guess we will just have to continue to wait to see if the board ever shows itself again. With that being said, I hope you two enjoyed my lovely Ouija board experience and keep up the awesome work with the podcast. Thanks for the awesome stories, Nikki. This uh, really makes me curious about what happened to the board because the majority of this email seems nice. You know, contact with relatives, mm-hmm. contact with loved ones, being looked out for by the ghosts. So what happened and why? I mean, it sounds like Jeff was playing with it when he shouldn't and Simon was just like, well, then you can't have it. True. Which honestly is probably a good thing because even if experiences with Ouija boards start as benign and seem like lovely experiences. I think the more you get used to it and the more you get comfortable using it, the more your guard is down. And that's the opportunity for these fun, nice experiences with contacting the other side turns into something that you are like, oh my God, I have to write into two girls, one ghost (laughs) because shit is getting real. Yeah. Interesting how... I, I guess I, I probably did know this rule, but maybe I forgot it, but that you shouldn't play alone. But it's interesting that playing alone makes you that much more vulnerable because I guess you yeah. don't have like the group to protect you. I don't know why, but I always thought you couldn't play alone. I thought two people had to be, there had to be two mm-hmm. different hands on the planchette. But maybe I'm just thinking back to like not. the instructions on the game because technically it's a game. So, right. I don't or know. According to Toys R Us, it's a game. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But I am glad that that Nikki and Riley both got those messages from Mm -hmm. their family members, from their great-grandmother and from their uncle. Yeah, absolutely. That does sound like 
one positive experience with the Ouija board. Yeah, just so long as there's one positive, there's one redeeming thing. See, there's there's one nice thing to come out of this Ouija board uh, <laughs> episode. Don't you fret. All right, well, maybe fret a little bit because I'm about to tell you uh, oh, an no. experience from our listener, Sophia. But alas, let us fret. But alas, let us fret and buckle up because this one is a long one. So sit back. Eek! Relax. Hey guys, I'm in love with your podcast. It's so funny and enjoyable. I've recently moved to university, so listening to you two has been a nice way to calm down. Except she's about to rile us up with this terrifying email. (laughs) This is the first time I've ever emailed a podcast, so I'm pretty nervous and I hope this reads well. Also, I really hope this is the right email because it's going to be really weird for anyone else to see. (laughs) Oh, that would be hilarious. (laughs) Well, you know what? She's probably shaking in her boots because this was like early 2018 that she sent this email. (laughs) (laughs) Really keeping you on your toes. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I was, when I was a teenager, I saw a full bodied apparition for the first time. It walked right in front of me in the street and then it vanished. Ever since I've been obsessed. (laughs) It didn't take long for me and my small group of friends to start using Ouija boards. I have a lot of crazy stories, but the best one is when my friend was possessed. There was a small group of us in my friend's room, I'll call her S, and we just finished trying out the Ouija board with little results. Recently, we'd been getting only one person repeatedly who called himself X and didn't like to say much. Uh-uh. Spoiler alert, we later came to find out that X was really Zozo, a very well-known Ouija demon. Anyway. Oh, we know him. We know him. We don't like him. Anyway, we put it away and we were just hanging out on our phones and talking. I was laying next to my friend, we'll call her V, when suddenly I heard her whisper, I can't feel my body. Mm. I shot up just in time to see her start to shake. It looked like someone was holding her limbs down and she was struggling to get out of it. Oh my it. gosh. Her eyes were closed and she was moaning. I ran downstairs with S to get her dad. And when he got upstairs, things became even more strange. He didn't go into the room. He just stayed by the doorway and way too calmly said, it's just a seizure. Looking back on what? it, it was really weird how he didn't say or do anything else and just told us that it would pass. He made no move to help her. Wait, what? He didn't even let her parents know afterwards. He was just watching it happen while we all freaked out. My gosh. She was shaking, she was mumbling, and it took quite a few long minutes until it finally stopped. She just suddenly stopped, and she sat up. I looked up to thank S's dad, but he'd already gone downstairs without even asking V how she felt. Even now, I don't know if maybe it was just a moment of bad parenting or something even weirder was going on. I don't know which I would prefer. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was definitely not a seizure. I was part of my town's youth corps program with the ambulance corps, and we'd seen plenty of seizures, and none of them had ever looked like what V had. Another of our friends agreed with me, and so I know it wasn't just my brain wanting it to be paranormal. V herself claims that it was possession. She does not remember moving or being held down or anything. She does remember a voice whispering to her right before her memory gap. What it said, she could never remember. What's, oh, I have chills. What's worse, though, is that watching it happen didn't warn us away from Ouija boards. It took many more run-ins with X, aka Zozo, to warn us off of them. The good thing to come out of all of this, however, is that I learned pretty early on how to use my own energy as a shield. It's an easy trick I recommend using, and it keeps me feeling safe during the entirety of our spirit-obsessed years. How it works is, you imagine your energy inside of you as a bright light, and imagine it spreading outwards, encasing you completely. 
Hold the light around you in your mind, solidifying it for as long as it takes to make you feel calm and safe. I did this so often, I'm pretty sure my shield is up just automatically now because (laughs) I've never been bothered by a spirit no matter what happens to my friends. Uh, And then she sent another email that I'm going to read because it has more, more in it. More. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I'm still loving the podcast. It's my favorite thing, although I've had to avoid listening too late at night. But I'm writing to you because although I thought I was done with ghosts, it turns out they're not done with me. I (laughs) mentioned in my last email that I recently moved to uni. There have been quite a few deaths here. A river runs through it, connected to a lake, and when kids get drunk, they tend to mess around near there and drown. Just last month, after a night out, me and my friends returned to my uni, being overrun with not only ambulance and police cars, but a helicopter as well. They'd found a dead body. Oh, no. Before that, this place was used as a makeshift hospital during one of the world wars. Not sure which one. And I'm sure it saw a lot of death during that time. I guess a haunting was just waiting to happen. It all started when my flatmate complained about his credit card going missing. He'd looked all over his room and his kitchen for it, but he couldn't find anything. He practically ripped apart the room searching for it. Hours later, right after he had to call and cancel the card, he returned to his room to find it placed in the middle of his bed. He had literally just ripped everything off of the bed during the search and remade his bed before leaving the room. He said he checked his pockets, he checked his jacket, everything, so it couldn't have just fallen out. When he told us his story, I didn't quite believe that it was a ghost. But don't worry, there's so much more. Oh no. It was quiet for a few weeks before the next episode happened. Then came the fateful day. It was a weekend. My friend was in her room next to mine, and then me and another of our flatmates were watching TV in my room. I started receiving texts from her saying that there was a fan in the bathroom that kept turning on by itself. They're motion-censored and not very sensitive at all. Mine would turn off while I was still in there, and I'd have to flail about to turn it back on again. (laughs) But she said that she was on her bed and she could hear it turning on and off again. She hadn't had any problems before or after that day, so I don't think that it was broken or anything. She checked around and couldn't find anything that could be causing it. The window was closed, and there was no loose fabric or anything else. She also said she'd been hearing some weird noises, but chalked it up to the radiator turning on and off. That scares me because I always blame everything on my radiator now. (laughs) You really do. I do. I'm like, someone's breaking in? No, must just be my radiator. Just the radio. (laughs) I told her out loud that it wasn't a ghost and was probably just something else. But I think I made it mad. Not a few minutes after that, me and my other flatmate that I mentioned before were watching TV again when suddenly there was a loud bang. It sounded as if someone had slammed their fist into my wardrobe. We both jumped at least a foot into the air. I was so scared. I checked inside the wardrobe and nothing had fallen. There was absolutely no reason for it. Mm. I was convinced. That's when a couple of my flatmates suggested a Ouija board. After I gave them a little bit of a walkthrough, we sat down to do it with a printout and a coin. I know, but we were only poor students. We got a reply almost instantly. What is your name? T-A-R-O-N. Taryn. Are you good? It moves the coin between the sun and the moon. Ooh. How did you die? Drowned. We went back and forth a little, but the spelling started getting weird as if it was struggling. At one point, it said it didn't know if it wanted to hurt us. Then one of us, I can't remember who, asked if we could do anything to help, and it started to spell something. P-O. Started again. P-P-O. Start again. P-O-E-P. One of our friends said out loud, Pope? And the coin moved to yes. 
At first, I wondered if we were talking to an actual pope, but then my friend said, do you mean the building pope? Yes, it did. And then it spelled out, find me. It was at this point that we should have known to say goodbye and to shut it all down, but of course we didn't. We asked if it was in the Pope building, and it said yes. Buried there? Yes. At this point, we are freaking out. We are wondering what the hell to do when suddenly the coin just moves to goodbye. With such force, our fingers are almost pushed off. At that point, I have chills. The fact that the board closed itself freaks me out. Yeah. At that point, we should have definitely known to put it all away, but of course we did not. We began again, and almost immediately the coin began moving in figure eights. As we all know, this is a clear sign that the entity has taken control, and it was also a clear sign for Zozo. I said goodbye very quickly while my friends looked at me in confusion. For the first time since it began, I felt scared, and they could tell. I tried to explain to them who Zozo was and why he was so dangerous. So that happened. And after that, I was expecting a huge backlash, but... I was only kind of right. My friend, the one who had guessed Pope, claimed that the figure of a child stared at him while he slept for the next two nights. The first time he saw it in the corner, and the second night it was closer to him, near his desk. But it vanished after that, or at least he didn't tell us about it after. And even he will say he wasn't sure if it was real or if he was just having an overactive, freaked out imagination. I thought it was probably just a low-level spirit trying to play with us and trick us into thinking that it was more powerful than it actually was. That is, until recently. Yesterday, in fact. Last night, things escalated. Me and my flatmate, the one with the fan problem, are in one hallway while the rest are in the other. I think this hallway is seeing quite a bit more activity than the other. It might also be important to mention that we played with the Ouija board in my room. This morning, I entered my kitchen, and I hear my neighbors talking about last night. She hadn't been able to sleep very well, and she kept hearing voices. At one point, she said she she heard a very loud sigh. She also heard a voice saying, my name is not once, but twice. Usually, I'd give this less credit. It could have been people from outside. It was a dream, something else. But I'd been hearing things the night before, too. Not only had I heard the sigh as well, but I'd also seen something run to the corner of the room. I'd been listening to a podcast to get me off to sleep when I looked up from my phone and I saw something dark run out of my vision and to the left. At first, I didn't believe what I had seen, but the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that whatever it was was the spirit that haunts this place. I think it's getting stronger. Maybe it's feeding off of our energy, or maybe it's just biding time, and things are clearly escalating. I never told my neighbor about what I saw because I don't want to scare them, but I'll keep you posted, at least so I feel a little less crazy. From Sophia. Okay, well, that was like two years ago. Almost I three. No. We need to know. Sophia, are you okay? January 28th, 2018, Sophia, we emailed you and said, keep us posted, stay safe, and you did not respond. Should we be worried? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, okay, it is very possible, and I'm hopeful that this is the case, that maybe it is a spirit of someone who did drown on their campus, mm. who haunts their place. And isn't bad. And unfortunately, just that time that they were playing the Ouija board, there was something dark kind of trying to get in. But it's it is the spirit trying to like communicate with them and tell their story. I don't know. I just trying to think it's good. I know. I know. And the other thing, too, is let's remember that this building was or the university. Wait, am I mixing up stories? Was this the one that was? Yeah, you're right. World Mm -hmm. War Two or one of the world wars. Yep. Yeah. So so something that there was plenty of things that happened, plenty of energy, plenty of, I'm sure, 
deaths. So it might not even be a drowned student. It could have been someone who back in the day, whether they were living, it was farmland and they were living there with their family or they were ill and wandering outside of a medical tent and drown. Like it, it could be a whole host of things. Yeah, that's true. I just want to think it's positive. I don't know. I mean, they're clearly uncomfortable and unsettled, but I think that's also because Zozo did briefly or something pretending to be Zozo briefly came through, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is super unsettling and terrifying. But I can't get over that first story. The seizure. The seizure. And then the father walking up and being like, it's fine. And as soon as she sits up, like the man is already gone. He's downstairs. He's unfazed, unbothered, doesn't give a shit. It makes me think that everybody in the room except for her and her friend that was not seizing the one whose home it was was possessed everyone else was being controlled yeah and they were just living out this real life nightmare like a video game because even if worst case scenario this dad knew it was a seizure and was like whatever no big deal it's still a freaking seizure and he would have to be like are you okay i would he would have to tell her parents he would have to call for some type of help because if it was a real seizure that's a huge medical yeah, Trump and it's issue. not like someone just seizes and then they're fine. There are plenty of things that could go wrong. Someone could hurt themselves, bang themselves right. when they're twitching. Someone could asphyxiate on their own saliva if they're in a weird position and seizing for too long. And not to mention, like, what underlying issues caused it. Right. You don't just say she's fine and walk out of the room. It's disturbing. No. It's so disturbing. And the fact that the girl herself said that right before she lost time, right before she blacked out, before waking up and sitting up, something whispered to her. The whisper she can't remember, but she heard a whisper and then nothing. I am curious what the whisper said. I know. Me too. Oh, I have chills. I wonder if that girl ever had experiences after that because that's so physical, Mm -hmm. you know? It almost... It makes me think that whatever it was attached itself to her in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Ah! I am just glad that Sophia has that technique with the light. It, it yes. reminds me of your wrapping. Yeah, the technique. ribbon wrapping. Yeah, it's very similar. It's quite similar. And actually, this is uh, what she uh, had described was actually an exercise um, that I had also heard very similar, uh, an exercise on this meditation tape or like astral projection tape. That was instructing you to do sort of like the same thing, to push your aura, to push your protective shield out from your body. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I wish I could remember what tape it was, but it was it was like a it was like a cassette tape. It was it's it was an old one. You'll have to try to figure it out and tell us. Yeah, I will. Okay. This is my last story, but not the very last. <laughs> this is from Ellie and it's called Another Ouija Gone Wrong. Hey girls, bloody love your podcast. Some days I wish you would talk about something that isn't scary because I just want to hang out with you, but (laughs) I don't want to scare the shit out of myself and see a fly and think it's a demon after me. So here's my story. When I was about 10 or 11, my friend and I made a Ouija board. Why, girl? Why? Why? Probably after watching The Craft or something. It was a massive board, probably like six feet by 10 feet. Good Lord. I must have just found the wood in my dad's shed and painted it pink back with green letters. It was 90s. It was cute. My friend and I decided we would do a seance, not knowing what the F that meant, but we were going to do one anyway. We put one little tea light at each corner of the edge of the board, lit them, and started asking questions. I don't remember what was asked, but 
all on its own, the planchette was moving by itself. My friend and I looked at each other in a, are you moving that kind of way? And all of a sudden, the front of her jumper on her chest in about the size of a 50 cent piece, not sure what to relate it to in America, maybe like a mini peanut butter cup, lit on fire. I shit you not. Keep in mind, we were two 10-year-old girls sitting in the middle of this massive board, really not close to the candles at all. And part of her jumper especially was not anywhere near them. And it lit on fire. We freaked out. I doused the flame out. And when we looked around after the commotion, all of the candles were out. It was as if the sunny day outside had turned very overcast and blue with a very clear unwelcome feeling. We ran and told my mom and she said, I know you worked really hard on that Ouija board, darling, but we have to burn it. I was like, in a 10-year-old equivalent, I ain't mad. From (laughs) listening to these stories, I have been wondering. I have gone through some bouts of shocking depression myself and wonder if this episode of my life had anything to do with it. My husband and I are living back at this house now, and I am the happiest I have been in a long time. So maybe the sight of the burned Ouija holds some stead over the negative energy, or maybe surplus cats, dogs, horse, chickens, and alpacas has done it. Anyway, you guys are the best. Say hi to Leia from me. See you on the other side. Ellie from Sydney, Australia. Man, I don't know what kind of Lily Pulitzer Ouija board from hell she created, (laughs) but good Lord. This is like a scene out of a, oh my God, what was that really disturbing movie where- The Witches? No, 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 no. But similar. And Um, the girl is decapitated- and then oh hereditary hereditary this is i picture this is a scene in hereditary it just started so you know naive and innocent and the fact that this was six feet by ten feet just adds such a terrifying element to it the fact that they were sitting on the board and the planchette was moving by itself and all of a sudden her friend's jumper lit on fire yeah so to say it started out innocent the only thing innocent was the actual idea behind the creation of the board from the get-go, right, it was right. zero to a hundred. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Their conception of the idea was very innocent. Right. <laughs> Painting it pink, some green accents. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, I wish my room was this color. <laughs> Disturbing. Even her mom was like, I know how hard you worked on this, sweetie, but oh we're going to burn it. Yeah, as you should. At least it was oh made of wood. And <laughs> you could just burn it. But good Lord, that's so creepy. I hope they closed out of it, because how do you close out of a massive board like that when you're on fire? How do you close out of a 50-foot board when you're on fire and the planjet's moving itself? I like how you just made it so much bigger. Because she was little, so it probably felt like that. (laughs) 50 feet. Could you imagine? Like half a football field. Yes. I mean, I don't want to imagine. No one should take that as an idea and let it come to fruition. Don't do it. Isn't there... There's like the the images of someone who made their living room floor Ouija board and mm. the Roombas going over it. Bad idea. Oh, just bad idea. Or when people get tattoos of it, I'm like, that's yeah. so much effort to ever make it stop if it's happening just on your don't. body. Just don't do it, friends. Just we're here to say with 10 encounters in one episode that perhaps you could take a break from Ouija boards in this lifetime. Yeah. At least if you truly don't know how to use it, which is the majority of people. You can get it blessed by someone. You can know the best practices, but I think the best practice is not using it at all. Best practice is not to practice. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Shall I close us out? Please do. Okay. This is a this is a good one to close. 
I don't like that mischievous smile you just no, gave me. Sorry. No, no. This is like, this is heartwarming. This is, I, oh, okay. I left okay. this for last so that we didn't all cry ourselves to oh, sleep tonight. Thank you. Leia yeah. and I are very appreciative. <laughs> okay. This is called Goodbye Grandma. And it is from Stephanie. Hi, ladies. I have a Ouija board story to share with you. When I was nine, my grandmother died suddenly. My sister and I were so grief-stricken and felt robbed of a chance to say goodbye, and for years it tore me up inside. When I was 14, I attended a slumber party, and when the parents went to sleep, out came the Ouija board. I'd never heard of a Ouija board before, and needless to say, I was very intrigued. All the (laughs) girls were asking typical questions like, who will they marry and what boys liked them? And I desperately wanted to ask questions about my grandmother, but I was too embarrassed. Mm -hmm. The next day, I told my sister about the Ouija board, and we decided to make our own. Using the back of an old Candyland game board, alphabet letter stickers, and a piece of sea glass from the beach. We tested out the board. This is like the sweetest version of... This We tested out the board by asking questions, but nothing happened. My sister became annoyed and muttered, this is stupid. She insisted Ouija boards were fake and that all of my friends were faking the answers by moving the planchette. She stormed out of my room and she left me there alone. I was so determined to talk to my grandmother. I called for her and I started asking questions alone. I closed my eyes and I asked, are you here? Slowly, the planchette started to move to (gasps) yes. I was scared and suddenly I felt like, what if it's not her? What if it's an evil spirit pretending to be her? I was alone and I was nervous, but I kept going on. I asked, how do I know it's really you? And the sea glass planchette spelled out, C-A-N-D-L-E, candle, over and over again. Candle, candle, candle. Mm. Frustrated, I concluded I was unintentionally moving my glass and that I was trying to make sense out of nothing. I thought to myself, Ouija boards don't work. I got up, I locked my door, I crawled into bed, and I cried myself to sleep. The next morning, I woke up, I rolled over in bed, and facing my desk, which was three feet from me, I opened my eyes to see my candle that I only had as a decorative piece was lit. It was a really beautiful white candle with a gold star holder that I never lit because it was too pretty and I didn't want to ruin it. I immediately was upset thinking that my sister had come down into my room and lit it while I was sleeping. I went to go yell at her when I realized that I had locked my door. She couldn't have come in. I looked at the board that I had left on the ground under my desk and I saw that the sea glass was left on goodbye. I never oh had pushed the seagulls to goodbye. I had forgotten to. I never shared this story with anyone but my fiance, who immediately dismissed my experience, but I know in my heart what happened. That day, I finally got my goodbye. Thank you for your podcast. It totally oh. makes my commute home from work a lot less boring, so keep up the good work, Corinne and Sabrina. Sending positive vibes, Stephanie. Yes, always remember to say goodbye on the Ouija board. Don't leave the portal open. Luckily, Grandma Carol was looking out for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Isn't this such a nice one? It's so nice. Thank you for using this as the last one we read tonight. <laughs> and the sweet little sea glass being pushed over to goodbye. Uh, oh my gosh, I could cry. That is really, really sweet. Ugh, so heartwarming. See, there are instances. It's like, One and done, she went in, she got the most beautiful experience with her grandmother, her grandmother protected her, closed out the board, said goodbye, and now she has closure. And like lighting the candle is because if it was just the goodbye thing, she wouldn't really have thought anything of it, but the candle candle. and her saying candle, oh god, The candle, her decorative, her favorite decorative candle right by her face where she would see it, where she would notice it, her 
door being locked. No one could have possibly come in. I'm sure she didn't even have anything to light the candle with within her room. It wasn't a lit candle. Grandma Carol. Grandma Carol. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Ooh, I had like, I had the chills that go up and down your back. Like the, you know, Mm. when something like really special happens and you're just your whole body is like suddenly overcome and you want to scream and you want to cry and you feel like you're being hugged (laughs) by energy. That's what I felt. Oh, wait, that's so sweet and kind and lovely. (laughs) Wow. Guys, we know that was a really beautiful story, but we'll leave you this with, with this one last message. Please don't do a Ouija board. I mean, okay. But if you have, or if you do, please do email us your story. Yeah. Email us or email us twogirlsoneghost at gmail.com. Wait, no, no, it's sorry. It's twogirlsonegostpodcast at gmail.com. Whoops. We've only been doing this for a hundred encounter episodes <laughs> and we still don't know what we're doing. And we say them in the regular ones that are 141 episodes in. Damn. So we're 241 episodes in. That's whack. I know. Plus, I think a couple bonus ones that we did. We're somewhere. We're somewhere. We're there. And you're here. And we thank you for being here. We really do. Thank you for being on this journey with us. It's so crazy, but so spooky and so fun. And we're loving it and hope you are as well. And just to let you guys know, before we clicked record, Sabrina said, let's get to ghost stories because this is literally what gets me through my day. So it's true. You guys are helping us in so many ways, not just by supporting (laughs) our podcast, but... I just... Just personally. Very much personally. Thank you. Getting us through the hard days. There's so many ways to support us. The biggest one that I always say, I know, broken record here, but alas, here I am again. Alas. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Alas. Slipping it in where I can. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It really does mean a lot. It also gets me through the day if they're positive reviews. Also keeps us on the charts and lets people find us, which is great because more phantoms join our pyramid scheme. Hey, it's a party. So yeah, help us out in those ways. We have merch. We have things to do, places to be, people to see, hang out with us. Social media, um, real quick. Thank you to Eric Foster and everyone at your team at Upfire Digital for editing our episodes in this episode. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.